I do, but not when I give a share. I drink a lot of coffee, but not when I... In the morning, I do. I get the caffeine from here. Okay. <clears throat> Good evening. Oppa. What's happening? Noise. Thanks for joining. Um, today's shear was dedicated by... Today you want to do it, right? For today. Yeah, okay. Uh, by Dr. Michla Dower. And this is in honor of her birthday coming up on the 22nd of Sivan Meshem. Give you a blessed year. Ashana Toiva. Matslachas, and uh, a good year, a successful year, good health, and only brachas in the entire family, to your husband, to your children, to the grandchildren, and uh, uh, much mazel. Okay, um, we are going to begin the discourse by David Hashem, Nasas Reish B'nei Gershon. Um, it's also my grandfather's yard site this Shabbos, so I'd like to dedicate it uh, to my grandfather, Yecheskel uh, Ben Reb David. I think that's his name. Should be Elias Chus, Lili Nishmas him. Okay, we're ready to go. Uh, this is a mimer in Parshas Nasai in Lakuti Torah, page 46. Um, We'll see if we can do the whole mimer tonight. If not, then we'll do part of it next week. Uh, it's a really very beautiful discourse. Um, as always, I don't understand it. At least I understand it only limitedly. And with Hashem's help, as we learn, it will unravel itself before us so we really will understand it. Be'ezus Hashem. V'edabit Hashem, and Hashem spoke, In the beginning of this week's Torah portion, God tells to count the the Levites, the Levium. And the Levium were, were divided into three families. There is, because uh, the three sons of Levi, Gershon, Kahas, and Merari. And when the Levium were counted, there were actually two, two um, senses done with the Levium. Um, one counting was done that included all the Levites from one month old. Everybody was in that count. That's discussed in last week's Parsha, Parsha's Bamidbar. In addition to that, there was another counting for the Levites, those that were eligible of, of, of eligible age to enter into the Beis Amigdash and to officiate and serve in the temple in terms of carrying, because the, the job of the Levian was to carry the Mishkan, to carry the tabernacle from place to place to assemble and disassemble it. This was their job. So there was a special counting that was done for those eligible, those that were from 30 to 50. Very limited amount of time. When, the 30, when they reached 30 years old until 50, those 20 years, they're eligible for, count, for serving in the, during the time when the Jews were in the desert. I think this was only applicable during that time because that was the only time that we know that they were involved in erecting and carrying because once they came into the land of Israel and they had a more permanent mishkan, or they had a base amigdosh, this whole job wasn't necessary anymore. And then um, the Levium only had the job of singing in the base amigdosh and guarding, guarding the entrances, guarding around the Mishkan. And that job, I think one was eligible even when they, even when outside of that age. 
So this was only for the carrying of Oidas Masa. Now, in the end of last week's Torah portion, the Torah says we should count the three families of Levi. But in last week's Torah portion, in Bamidbar, it only gives you the count of one of the families, the family of Kahas. This week's Torah portion begins with lift the heads, not only of the Bnei Kahas, which I told you about last week, but also of the family of Gershon. Gershon, which is the second family of Levites. And then finally, it goes and continues and says that we should also count the family of Merari. So you got these three families, Gershon, Kahas, and Merari. Now, the families had distinct jobs. Each family had its own unique job. The family of Gershon, Gershon's job, um, sorry, let's start with Kahas. The Avoda, the service of the Kahas family, they had the most important part of the Mishkan. They carried all the vessels of the Mishkan, all the Kliha Mishkan, the Aron, the Ark, the Shulchan, the table with the showbread, the two altars, the inner altar, the outer altar, the menorah, the, the wash basin, all of the holiest utensils of the Mishkan, they were the ones who carried it. Because of that, as we see this week further in the Torah portion, they did not, they had to carry it on their shoulder. They were not given any vehicle to assist them in this transport. The other Levites were given vehicles in which they loaded up the materials and they, as they schlepped it through the Midbar. But these um, um, Levim, uh, Kahas being that they carried the most holy, they had to carry it directly with their shoulder, on their shoulders. Then you have the second family. Then you have the second family of Levi. And they are the, um, the second family of the Levium. But how are the people going to come in? <laughs> then you have the second family of Levi. And they are the Gershon family. They carry the cloth materials. Primarily, they were the ones who carried the, 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 the hanging um, coverings. The Mishkan had coverings, tapestries, and they were covering from above the Mishkan. So they were the ones who were carrying these yuriot. There's a few layers of yuriot that were, that were car being carried. And that was their job, the Gershon. And finally, the Merari family of the Levites, they were the ones that were carrying the mainly heavy stuff, the heavy material. They were carrying the main structure of the Mishkan itself. All the beams and all the pillars which, which made up the walls, the ropes and the various different other nails and pegs and sockets. And those things were carried by the Bnei Merari. Okay, three families. This discourse that we're going to learn now, now again, Last week's Torah portion talks about the service of the Merari family and how many there were. This week's Torah portion begins with lift up the heads of Gershon and take count of how many members there is in the second family of the Levites and it appoints them in their job, upon their job that they need to do. And then later it continues, and then later it continues to also count the last and final family, the Merari family. Okay, so let's begin studying the discourse. What the discourse comes to explain to us is um, the main Indian of this mimer 
is going to tell us what does this mean for future generations. I mean, this was a one-time thing that happened, you know, three and a half thousand years ago in the desert. Obviously, we read about this every single year. It must have some sort of an application to us as well, or else we wouldn't be learning about it. So what does this mean? And as Hasidus always does, it's going to show us how all of this exists within our own soul and within our own, um, within our own soul, within our own life, how we have a mishkan, which is in each and every single one of us, there is a temple, there is a mishkan, and um, there is a mishkan within each and every single one of us, and um, in, in the Mishkan, the Mishkan travels in the desert, and the Levites are the ones who put up the Mishkan and take down the Mishkan and do all that service of the Mishkan. So it's going to explain to us, and it's going to distinguish between the various families, what each family of Levites' correspondent service is in our soul, who the Gershon is in our soul, what kind of service does that mean? What's the Merari family? What's the Kahas family? That's the idea. Okay. This mimer was initially said in the year Tav Kuf Samach Gimel. Five, the year 5,563. 55, 63. So that's uh, whenever that comes out in the English calendar. The mimer is also found in the Maimari Admar Azak in Tavkov Samach Gimel, in a little bit of a different version. And also in the Oratora Bamidbar, it has a few, a few explanations on the mimer, really the mimer in different versions. So um, I, I, when I was preparing it, I was reading some others, so I'm hopefully we'll have some insight from the various different versions because it's, some parts of the mimer get a little complicated. And uh, hopefully with, with that understanding, that helps us clarify it. Okay. So Vidabir Hashem and Hashem spoke, Nasayas Reish Bene Gershain. Um, lift up the heads of the sons of Gershain. Gamheim also them, the base of to their father's house, the Mishpachaisam to their families, Venasu, when they should carry. The Syriya Mishkan, they are carrying the tapestries, the coverings of the Mishkan. That's Oal Moed and the and the tent of meeting, which is the because there's a lower the lower tapestry is called Yeriya Samishkan, the one you see from inside. And the higher tapestry, the one that went on top, is called Oel Moed. Okay, this is what it says in the Pasuk. So now he begins to explain, The Leviim carried the Mishkan and the Midbar, they carried it for 42 travels. Because the Mishkan moved 42 times. Because they put it up, and then they disassembled it, and they moved to another. As it says in a few weeks from now, we're going to learn Pasha's, the last portion in the Book of Numbers, Pasha's Masay. And over there it describes all the travels of the Jewish people, and it, and it lists 42 travels that the Jews traveled in the desert. So the Mishkan traveled during the Midbar, 42 travels, which a little bit is a little, I'm just puzzled a little bit right now, because they actually the Mishkan they didn't have for all the 42 travels, because quite a few of the travels was until they got to Sinai. If you count all the travels together, from when they left Egypt until they arrived at the Jordan River, until they crossed over to Eretz Yisrael, that was 42 travels. But a few of them happened until they arrived to Har Sinai. The Mishkan was not built until they were at Sinai. So maybe it's 
10 less, I'm not exactly sure, 7, 8 less, I'm not exactly sure how many. But there's a few. In general, so I guess when he says 42 travels, he doesn't mean that the, the Jewish people traveled 42 times. The Mishkan itself um, traveled as many travels as there were, as many journeys as there were from Sinai until they got to the land of Israel. In any case, in the place that they camped, they would erect the Mishkan. Sometimes for a few years, because there's some places they stayed for a couple of years. One place they stayed for 19 years. And some places for a week, a month, some places even for a day. But there was no distinguish, they didn't distinguish. Every place they arrived, God never told them how long they're gonna be there. So they didn't know that maybe tomorrow they're gonna have to take it all apart. Didn't make a difference. When they arrived, they had to put up the entire Mishkan, which involved so much labor and work, yet they had to do it perfectly. And maybe the Mishkan stood there for a few hours until the next morning, and then suddenly the clouds of glory left, and they had to disassemble it. But this is the way it was. This, and this was the job of the Levim. Ubenasam, and when they traveled, they read they took it down. And so they traveled for 42 travels. We need to understand this. Torah is not just a storybook. We mentioned it on Shavuos by night. That we quoted the Zohar where the Zohar says such very, very harsh things of people who think that the Torah is just a storybook telling us what happened in the past. The Torah has that this, the, the story is only an external, external veil, an external garment of the Torah. And inside lie the deepest, deepest mysteries and the deepest secrets of existence, which are very applicable for all time. And that's what Hasidus is here to do, to undress the Torah and give us a little bit of an insight into what's really going on. So it's practical, literal application in its most external garment. That only happened within time and space in a certain time of history. But its inner dimension is applicable for all time, transcends time and space. So now as well, there is amongst the Jewish people Mishkan. We have today also a Mishkan. We also have the Levites that carry it. Even though we don't see a Mishkan and we don't see any people schlepping the Mishkan, carrying the Mishkan from place to place, but we do have it in our soul. <coughs> if we learn the Mimer, <coughs> we find out that this exists within us. And as it says in the Pasuk, as it says in the Mishkan, in, in I will give my mishkan amongst you. Which means I will make my dwelling amongst you. I will put my shechina amongst you. What's the mishkan? The mishkan is a place where the shechina dwells. When God says, I will put my shechina amongst you, like it brings sometimes a chassidist that the Jewish people are called Hechal Hashem. We are the mishkan. The Jew is the mishkan. And he has all the vessels of the mishkan. And he also has all the parts of the mishkan. So if Hashem says, I will dwell amongst you, so also, if we are the Mishkan, so we also have to have our own Levites to pick us up and assemble and disassemble. Which means in our life also, there is sometimes when we are put together, and sometimes when we get all fragmented and disheveled and, and everything is all splintered, that's when your Mishkan comes apart. And we shouldn't get so frazzled by it. And so, uh, you know, completely this, that, that everything in our life seems to be coming apart. Well, you're a Mishkan, what do you expect? When you gotta move from place to place, the only way to move it is by taking it apart. 
So when pieces of one's, one's life come like and they fall, start falling in all directions, and we look like our world is collapsing, it's not collapsing, it's being disassembled piece by piece so that you can carry it to a much higher place. Because as we're going to see later in the Mimer, every place they traveled was really was an elevation. They were arriving to higher, 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 higher levels of Mishkan, which means in each place, a higher and deeper dimension of the Ein Sof, of the infinite, was dwelling amongst them. And this goes, <coughs> as they were going deeper and deeper into their Mishkan experience. That's <coughs> in our life as well. We attain something, we absorb, we, we, we build something, we develop, and then it's time to move on, and Hashem sometimes <coughs> sends in the Levites to break it down. Not to get scared, but to know that Whatever these things happen, it's because of something bigger that's ready to come. It also says in Parshas I will dwell amongst them. And the sages say, and the sages say, it doesn't say I will dwell in the Mishkan. <coughs> it doesn't say I will dwell in it. It says, I will dwell amongst them. Make me a physical Mishkan, but I'm going to dwell in them. So that means that the real dwelling for God is inside our souls. And that means that there is now amongst the Jewish people, Gamkain as well, there is a Mishkan and there is Levim. So we need to know what the Mishkan is. And then we need to know what the Levium are. <coughs> and take apart and put together the Mishkan. Well, Lahavin calls a hetev, and to understand all of this well, Tzarech Lahavin, to really get an understanding of what the Mishkan is amongst us, <coughs> we need to first understand <coughs> a broader idea. This that it says, God says, don't you see? Heaven and earth I fill. Hashem says He fills the universe. He fills everything. Heaven and earth, He's everywhere. Heaven and earth means the spiritual worlds and the physical world. God fills all of existence. There's another verse, Uksiv, and it seems to be a contradictory verse. If you look at it just superficially, you're reading it quickly, it doesn't seem like a contradiction. It seems quite on the contrary that they're both saying the same thing. Uksiv, it says in another pasuk, that God's glory fills the entire earth. Same idea, that God is everywhere. One verse says, I fill heaven and earth. And the other verse says, my glory fills the earth. So most people didn't stop to examine this and they have no problem. But if you look deeper, the Altar Rebbe says, hey, this, this seems to be contradicting each other. Because when it says, the heaven and the earth I fill, that implies that Hashem Himself is everywhere. The Ein Sof, God Himself, is everywhere. When the verse says, however, the earth is filled with my glory, that seems to imply that it's not God, but it's only His glory. And glory is not Him. How do you know glory is not Him? Glory is Shechina. It's a ray of Him. As we know, there's the Targum, the Targum Yonasan, the translation of Yonasan ben Uziel says that when it says, <coughs> the Targum says these words, Ziv Yikare, a ray of His glory, of His splendor, a ray of His splendor. As we know, many times we spoke about it, Shekhinah is only a tiny little drop, a little crumb 
of God's infinite light that has been contracted and limited and limited for it to be able to come in to sustain creation, heaven and earth, to be the life force of the cosmos of heaven and earth. It's all. But that's not God Himself. The infinite Ein Sof infinitely transcends the Shekhinah. But in the verse, but, but then the question is, who is to be found in the earth? Is it only Shekhinah that's here? Or is it God Himself, the Ein Sof that's everywhere? That's the question. These psukim seem to contradict each other. Look in the Maimer Anil Dodi, which we learned. And in the Maimer Loman Tizkaru, Pasha Shalach, coming up in two weeks, over there he discusses the Talis and the, and the strings of the Tzitzis. And he explains in that Maimer how the talis represents the infinite Ein Sof. That's why it wraps around the person. A person takes a talis and he wraps himself completely. Which means because it's Ein Sof that is, encompasses all of existence, surrounds. And that's why like God said the other day that the talis doesn't have a top, it doesn't have a bottom. Because in Ein Sof there's no beginning and there's no end. So the talis really doesn't have a, a top and a bottom. That's why some don't make on purposely don't make an atara, atara on the talis, because to indicate this idea that in an idea of Ein Sof, there's no top and there's no bottom. There's only a simon in the inside, because halachically, there is some that are say that the part of the talis that was used as the, as the upper side should always be used at the top. So whatever, you have an inside simon, but not on the outside. It's supposed to be all without a simon. But akoponim, that's the talis. But from the talis, what comes? A little strings. And those strings are representing this narrow little, little bit of energy that isn't infinite anymore. It's emanating from the infinite. It's a little ray of Hashem. And these are the little strings that become the life force of God that is within creation to sustain everything. Um, today, scientifically, we know when we break things down to the tiniest, 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 even lower than the atom, we're beginning to see strings. Isn't that amazing? They're calling it the string theory or whatever, where they're seeing strings. And that's the mamalakal almond, is little strings, which fill every nook, every existence, every being. Um, I don't know much about the string theory, so I'm not going to pretend that I do, but it's just interesting. The tzitzes come from the talus. Which the root of the talus and the tzitzes is from these two inyanim. Which two inyanim? From the level called animale, I am, that's God Himself, or zivyakare, a ray, that's like the tzitzis strands. Like we learned last year, we learned the discourse for Yikach Korach. And also in the Mayim, we're talking about the difference between the Yomtev of Pesach and Yomtev of Hanukkah. How come? The, the Yom Tov is celebrated in a different day, Hanukkah and, and, and Pesach. Ach Yenhu, the idea is as follows. So to understand this, the idea is as follows. So to understand, to, to resolve this conflict between does God Himself fill the universe or is the universe only filled with His ray? So the idea is, Shemipsari Echzalakai. We're going to look into our own flesh. We're going to see how our own soul interact with our body. And when we understand how our, our, our own neshama interacts with our body, from there we can derive how God interacts with His creation. 
And we're going to see that when our neshama interacts with our body, there's two levels of life. There is a very particularized life force, which, which fits and adjusts itself to the body in a very detailed manner, in which each power of the soul matches a corresponding organ or corresponding limb that is a perfect vessel to receive that particular power that's in the nefesh, that's in the soul. But that's not the soul itself. That's only called the kochos nefesh, the powers of the soul, like the intelligence, all the other artistic talents and powers that the soul has find expression in a corresponding limb that fits and matches and has the same chemistry to be able to be synchronized and aligned or compatible with that particular power of the soul. But in addition to that, there is also a presence of soul itself in the human being. But that presence of soul itself, which is the very I of the human being, I am, is equal from head to toe. Of that you can't say that it is compartmentalized, that it has one compartment or here. And it shows itself in every compartment in a different way, it's not. It has a sweeping control over the entire body. It, it completely, it completely um, encompasses, it's everywhere, but it's everywhere equally. And it doesn't limit or adjust itself to any particular limb or organ. It remains in its total aloofness. The organs and the limbs don't have any grasp on it, but yet they are, com they are in complete obedience to this power. And what is that? Translating in our experience, it's the power of will, the willpower. Ratzon, will. It dominates the entire body equally. It dominates your eyes. Open your eyes, shut your eyes. So you have a power of vision. That's in your eyes. But the power to open or close your eyes, or to look or not to look, that comes from a person's will. That's not the eye. The eye itself doesn't decide, or even the power of vision doesn't decide to look or not to look. What decides to see or not to see, to look somewhere or not, is the ratzon. I want to look there. No, I don't want to look at that. I want to turn away from that. The same is also to listen or not to listen. So this is the power that opens up everything and shuts everything down. To talk or not to talk. To think or not to think. To walk or not to walk. To get up. And the power of ratzon, as we're soon going to see in the mimer, has such overwhelming power over the body that it can even force the body to do things which the body is totally uncomfortable with. Even, even harming the body. It can even harm. The will is so powerful that it will go against the body's, the body's natural thing and just override it. And that's because it's, it's above everything. Because it's your soul, it's the very you. It's not the powers of you, it's the very you. Ratzon is you. It's an expression of you, of the nefesh itself. Then there are the particulars, all the internalizing powers that relate to every limb in their own way. The in intelligence only is in the brain. It's nowhere else. Your foot doesn't have intelligence. The brain has the intelligence. Some little bit of the intelligence makes its way down to the foot. That's when you learn how to um, do certain, certain tricks with your feet. Or you learn how to, you know, that even walking up the stairs is a certain measure of intelligence in your legs to be able to like kind of very quickly estimate exactly how high it needs to go and the like. A dancer or a skater or any other sport that you've trained your feet, um, it's not your brain work. Your legs learn 
But that takes skill and work and work and work and work. And some of the intelligence become, and the feet become intelligent. But that's, you can't compare the intelligence of the mind to the intelligence of the feet, even after the feet become intelligent feet. And the same is also when the arms and the other part. They do receive some kind of an illumination, some kind of a um, radiance of the in intelligence, but it's, it's minimal, less and less and less and less. Because the main, because the feet are not really the akeli for seichel. And one thing is for sure, even if your feet has certain measure of intelligence in regards to things that it needs to do with its feet, but your feet will never do algebra for you or geometry. That it won't do, because it just can't do that. The brain could do that. So the brain is a keli for seichel. And the eye is a keli for vision. And the ears are a keli for hearing. Each one is their Indian. And that's the idea. And just like it is in a human being, two forms of life, one that is, sweeps, is all sweeping and all pervading, and it resides throughout the entire body equally. And that is the power of will. Um, and then there's another power, which is detailed and specified to each particular organ and limb. The same is also when God gives life to the world. There's two types of energy. There's the Shekhinah, which is called Mamalek Al-Alman. He fills all worlds, in which he enlivens every creature and every being with a particularized energy that fits that particular creature. And a butterfly has a complete different type of life force than a, uh, than a uh, I don't know what, than a, than a, than a, than a monkey. It's a complete different creature, a different type of being. And it's, it's it, just like the physical, just like the physical makeup and, and um, uh, the physical, the genetic makeup of the, bu the butterfly is very different than that of the monkey. So to the spiritual energy that comes down to be its life force is also different one than the other. And the same is with everything. Minerals different than vegetables and veg vegetation different than animals and animals different than humans. And then every human being has his own particular life. So the God is <coughs> filling the world with individual energy. We spoke about this hundreds of times in this class. That's called Mamalakalal. And he begins to explain it. There is in the highest in the life force of the soul. Shemachayas a guf that gives life to the body. Yesh beis bechinay semadregas. There's two levels. Abchena echad one level is masha nefesh bemalas kol guf. This that the soul fills the entire body in a manner and it becomes particularized. The life force of the soul becomes divisible, gets, gets, gets divided in accordance to the, to the chemistry of the limbs of the body, according to their, uh, the way they are. Uh, the head is made, the, the brain is made from material that suits the intellect. Because the 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 keli, the vessel, which is the brain, who keli, it is a appropriate It is a vessel that is appropriate and is fitting and is matching to receive the, the light of the intelligence. And in the heart, and in the heart dwells the midos, the emotions. Because the heart is set and made to be the source for excitement where emotions take place, is in the heart. And in the legs, the power of walking is in the feet. Because they are less sophisticated and less complex 
the legs, than the brain or the heart. And even though it is a vessel for something spiritual, but it's only a vessel for the least of all spiritual powers, which is the power of movement, <coughs> but not the power of feeling emotion that's too complex, it's too deep for the legs to be able to receive. They can only receive a simple power, and that is put one foot before the other. Move. Yegangin. The power of the, the life force of the soul gets divided. According to the mezek means according to the chemistry of the kalim of the body. Now, it gets particularized. It feeds every single, it matches up with every particular organ in the body. Every finger, every um, joint, everything gets its own chayas. Because everything has its own function, every muscle. But in general, if we want to look at the general division, there's three categories. Because there's three compartments in a human body. Look at a human being and you see three compartments. The head, the midsection, and then the legs. That's it. So, there are three, three, three. The power of the intellect is in the head. And the emotions are in the heart. And the power of walking is in the feet. So these are the three powers, three vessels. Because just like you have the three powers of the soul, intellect, intellect takes place is in the head, and emotions, excitement, is mainly over here, and then the because he says, take a look, the body has three powers: roish, head, the emtza, the torso, haguf, the meshuakeras, which is the stomach and all that. That's where the intestines are, the digestive tract. And then you have the legs. So too, the life force of the soul also divides itself. In some places it says, he doesn't say it explicitly over here, that's why we have three parts of the neshama that come down in the body called nefesh, ruach, neshama. Those are these three, three compartments. Neshama is intellect. Nisham is in the head. The ruach is in the, is in the heart, the spirit. And the nefesh is in the, in the liver, sometimes it says, more related to the legs, to the feet, that a practical, physical movement of the body. Now, one thing to notice, he says, in the middle of the body, there is what we call the diaphragm which is in the middle of the body. And what is that meant to be? That is meant to serve as a mechitza. It's meant to serve as a partition, as a filter. Shua parsa, this is the filter. This is the partition, hamafsik, that separates between the internal organs and the external organs. Down to the underneath the chest, down to the stomach, are the internal organs which means the higher functions of the human being. What are the higher functions? First of all, all the sensors are primarily located in the head. Taste, smell, vision, hearing, intellect, and then thought, speech. Everything is up here. Oxygen, breathing, so the pulmonary um, part of the body, which is very the higher kind of element of the human being. Once you get midsection and down, um, is considered the lower part of the human. Um, now, that's more like the kitchen, you know, 
where where things are kind of um, it's more it's considered an outside uh, element for the human being. It's necessary, of course, a human being can't be without his bottom half, but it's considered outside of you. It's meant and uh, walking, for instance, we used before the walking. Walking is for a person to get around, to interact with the outside. For yourself, God forbid Hashem should give everybody the ability to walk. But technically, a person can live for themselves without walking. And walking is only that the person should be able to have a, an influence on the world. Like Avram Avinu, he was in the land of Haran, he was doing pretty well. But then Hashem says, the world won't know you. You're like a perfume that needs to get out and give your smell to everyone. So I need you to get you lech lecha, start walking. Hit the road. So you can walk, you can bring yours, your ideas, whatever. Bring your contribution to everyone else. So the feet is considered outside of your body. So between the higher, more personal self, higher self, the internal self, and the external self, there is a mechitza, there is a partition. And that's a diaphragm, which is some kind of a, I don't know, kind of meat, muscle, I don't know what exactly it's made out of. And that serves as this partition between the upper and the lower. And we'll see soon what it really is meant to do. And it, part of its function is to make sure that the lower human being and the elements that are related to the lower human being, because in the lower human being there can be, in a sense, more, more uh, bacteria, more negativity that can hang out in the lower part of the human being. And we don't want that to somehow get access to the higher, to the higher part of the body. Because if it gets access to the higher part of the body, then that can cause a lot of problems. Because it becomes, like we were learning in the last couple of weeks, we were learning the discourse about giving energy to the other side. So that's why there has to be this parse, as we're going to see. We're going to explain this a little more, that happens in the middle. So he says, There is this diaphragm, which is the, the filter, between the internal organs, to the external organs. Because, through this, the pesoles, the um, whatever is excessive, and whatever is considered garbage needs to go out, needs to exit the body. That's its function, right? It needs to set. And mainly, it's the, it's interesting, mainly that's the digestion. What does digestion do? Digestion serves as that filter. It takes out whatever is positive, whatever is good, whatever is beneficial for the body. And it invites it into the person's, um, it, it invites it into you to be part of your life force. Especially since a lot of what you eat becomes blood. We have to constantly replenish our blood. And the blood that we're replenishing is from the food that we eat. So obviously there's a lot of good that needs to be absorbed and has to go into the body. And nutrients and other things that become blood and some of it go into our bones and whatever else is healthy and good in the human being gets absorbed. And then there is pure, pure junk that needs to go out. And for that we have this, he calls it the diaphragm, but it's not, it's the diaphragm and the machinery connected to the diaphragm, which is all this digestion, uh, stomach and all of that, 
that serves as that beater to separate what goes up and what does not go up. The same is also above. You also have above, which means we said before that God fills the world also like a like the like the soul fills fills the body. So just like when the soul fills the body, there is the various different manifestations. The highest part of the neshama fills the head. The next level of soul fills the heart and the upper chest and the higher part. And then finally you have just physical 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 movement that is associated with the legs, with the bottom of the person. And in between, there needs to be some filter that keeps the two separated and yet connected. It's a border, but a border is not made, meant to be, you know, a border is not meant to be shut down when no one passes. A border means that you just, you have control of what's passing. If you close the borders down completely, then everybody's inside is in prison. That's a jail, that's not a border. A border is that you should just have control of who's coming in and who's coming out. You have open borders, means that everybody's coming, you have no idea what's coming in, and you can have all kinds of people that you don't want to have on this side of the border coming across the border and making a lot of trouble. So you need to have a border, and the border is, a, is, the, is the filter. Do you have your passport? You show me. Do we want you here? Do we don't want you here? You're a troublemaker? We don't want you. You're not. You can be a benefit to the... Uh, to be on this side of the border, they come on over. So there is the same idea you have in our body. We have that, that border which is there to, to separate what's coming in, and we're going to see soon. It's really supposed to serve as a filter in both ways. When life is going down from the higher part of the soul as it's filtering through the body, we want that, the, that this border serves not to allow everything from above to go down below because too much going down below is going to harm the body. So it needs to hold back the higher life and allow what's going out only to be the lower, less significant, but also the other way around. When we're taking in stuff from the outside, truth is even though the intake is up here in the head, that you put your food down your mouth, but it's not really entering your body until it goes down lower than your stomach, down all the way, right? food goes down, and from there it begins to make its way up. right? Unless, God forbid, someone has a feeding tube that's going directly in there. But really, maybe Hashem did us a favor. That we don't have to eat from down here. We eat from up here. So the food goes in from the top. But it really doesn't enter the body. It's just entering the body space. But it's not entering in, into absorption of the body. First it's below, because it has to be filtered out, the good from the bad. And that's what ha what's happening in the digestion. And then what's good is going gonna, is gonna to go up. So he's explaining the same thing is also in God, in the divine presence. So Hashem is giving life to each creature in, each, in, each, in accordance to their level. Somewhere in this system, there is a filtering. And he can explain soon that there are special malachim, angels, that serve as filtration. And they make sure that only the, only, that, that only the lesser form life force comes down into the lower universe. Because, you see, if we're going to allow the deepest life that's in the higher realms to descend down into our physical world, in our physical world, there's a lot of bad guys and a lot of dangerous beings. And if they get access to these highly intense powers, kaputo, they can make a horrible destruction. So they keep back and they allow only, only the, uh, the junk to go out. Which really means 
And what enters the life force that enters physicality is considered junk in comparison to what is giving life in the higher realms, to the upper realms. On the other way around as well, what is when we serve God and we're, do, we're taking things from the physical world and we're integrating that in through our mitzvahs, we're taking physicality and connecting it upward, it too has to go through these angels because they have to filter out our mitzvah as well, our physicality. When we're doing a mitzvah and we are doing it with a lot of self-consciousness and awareness and whatever, that doesn't necessarily be elevated. That has to be kicked out. Only the inner part of the mitzvah gets absorbed in godliness and the like. So they're serving as the filter. Why he decided to talk about this filter over here in the Mimer, I don't know why this is necessary for the general understanding of the Mimer. I mean, because so many times this whole idea of Mamalek Alman is discussed, where God fills the world with it, and they don't focus on this filter in the middle. But for some reason in this Mimer, maybe we'll figure that out later why he decides to put such an emphasis on it. He says, is above, the left side, there is a power of filtration in which there is a power of docha, just like he gives the example in the body. Your body has a power that absorbs and it also has a power that rejects. The power that rejects and causes a person to release whatever your body doesn't belong. It's not just releasing it, it's actually pushing it, getting rid of it. It's expelling it. That power to expel is really coming from the power of gavura, And up there, it's called God's left hand that expels that which should not be. We'll see that he's going to give more explanation to that in a few moments, what that means. The same above is also the mamali, the indwelling light of God. What does that mean? Piddish. The life force of the Ein Sof, that fills all worlds, to enliven them. It divides itself into parts, according to the quality of the vessels, and in general, just like we said before in the human being, the three main compartments, the head, the torso, and the legs, the same is also, this also divides into three parts, in three worlds, because we know that all of existence is divided into three, three worlds. It is our material physical world, and then there is the world of the angels called Olam Yetzirah, and then above that, called the world of formation, and above that is the world of Bria, which is the world of the Nishamot, pure souls, souls that are without bodies, and also the highest, most refined Malachim. They're in the world of Bria. Or as he's going to characterize it soon, the world of Bria is the world of where the higher Ganeiden is, the upper Ganeiden. The world of Yetzira is the lower Ganeiden. And finally, there is our work, which is uh, not which is our world, which is not a Ganeiden at all. It's just whatever it is. And we go from our world to the lower Ganeiden, Yetzira to the higher Ganeiden. Three three worlds. Like it says in the Pasuk, he brings a, he brings a verse. It's not just a Kabbalistic idea. It's, a, it's in a Pasuk, in which Hashem says, which you see that the creations is, is divided into three categories. It says, for my honor, Hashem says, I created it. 
I formed it. Afasisiv, I also made it. So these are the three worlds, Priya, Yitzir, and Asi. Shehem, Eschalkos, Gimel, Madregis, which these are three general levels. Shem Gimel, Olamos, these are what we call three worlds. Biya. Biya stands for the acronym Bria Yitzira Asiya. Shehu, which he explains now. Shehu, Bechemas Ganeiden Elyon, which is the higher Ganeiden. The Ganeiden Atachten, and then the lower Ganeiden, which is the world of Yitzira. And then finally, Ve'olamazeh, in our world. Ve'agimel Olamos, Biya, and these three worlds, Bria Yitzira Asiya, Anal, Hu Bechemas, it corresponds also to the three powers. These are the worlds. The worlds are like the kalim, it's like the body. But what fills the body? Well, just like in the human being. Let's see what fills the three parts. The head is filled with, with, with thought. We said before intellect, but also thought. Thought takes place up here. The, the middle part of the body is where speech happens. Even though speech is happening, coming from the head, but the breath in which you're talking and the excitement to talk is coming from the, from the ruach, coming from the, from the chest, from the heart. So that's the dibur. And finally, the legs, that's maisa. Machshava, dibur, and maisa. Now just like we spoke in the human being in the physical body, in the physical anatomy of the human body, there is the, the two higher parts. And between the two higher parts and the lower part, there is a filter, what we spoke about earlier, the filter that separates. Um, so above there, there is also a filter, and it's between the first two worlds and the latter world. And you see it in the Pasuk, Barasiv, Yitzartiv, Af Asisiv. The word Af, I also made it. The word Af, that corresponds to that filter. That's meant to filter the higher light from the lower light. And the reason for that is, The reason is, we don't want that the Chitzonim, the see the extraneous forces, forces of darkness that are here temporarily, are meant to be here temporarily. And they're not meant to last forever. And, 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 they, and their main habitat is in the more external worlds. See, in the deeper worlds where, where God is more manifest and more clearly experienced, Klippa can't exist there. Klippa, because what's Klippa? Klippa means it denies God. It stands in contradiction to Hashem. It's evil. It can't, where Hashem is obvious. So therefore in Embriya, there's very little Klippa. There's a trace of it. There's a Shoresh for it, but very little. In Yetzira, that's where they begin to exist, but it's still a very, very weak entity. In the world of Asiya, that's where the Chitzonim are very powerful. That's why we know that Malachim don't have Yetzahara. And we, because they live in Yetzira. We live in the world of Bri and Asiya. And we hear this. We have Yetzahara. We have real evil inclination. That's all Klippa. That's all Chitzonim. It's all the external the forces of darkness that conceal a block and, 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 uh, and uh, can bring Chas v'shalem, uh, to things that are really bad. So we want that it shouldn't, we don't allow that there should be a continuous flow from Bria to Yetzirah and continuously flow into Asiyah. Because if it would be without that filter, there would be too much energy flow in the world of Asiyah, allowing for the unholy to become extremely powerful and strong. And as a result of that, they would never be able to be defeated. So we can only give them a little bit. As he says, that Tzemach Tzedek adds, that's the idea of Af Asisiv. Barasiv, Yitzartiv, Af. Af is the Mechitza. I also created it. Af Hifsike Inyan. I'm going to get in a second. Like the Parsa that separates Ben Yitzira Shuhu Kemoy Haguf. 
between the world of Yetzira, which is like the body, to the legs, which is the next, which is considered like outside the guf. What's the connection? Ki chagas mekanen Because chesed gevurit teferes, which is the body, the two hands and the torso, dwell in the world of Yetzira. That's what makes Yetzira be considered the torso. Because the main middos, the world of Yetzira is the world where God's emotions dominate. In the world of Bria, the dominating force is God's intellect. And the, and the creatures who live in the world of Bria, the Malachim, the high Malachim and the Neshamas, their main experience is, uh, is, is, is conceiving godliness in their minds. They have a powerful knowledge of God, understanding. In Yetzirah, you don't have that same kind of clarity. In Yetzirah, it's mainly the excitement. They sense that there's something very, very deep and great. They don't know what, but they're excited about it. And that's why the emotions are in, in, in Yetzirah. And we spoke so many times, that's why the world of Yetzirah is a very noisy world. The world of Bria is a world of silence, because it's not, there's no, there's already past the emotions. It's pure, pure intellect. Ube Nasiya, which, Nasiya, which is Bechinas Raglayim, that's the feet. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's a spirit. It's a koyach ruchni because it's moving. The power to move some, to move the body, chayos is ruchni. Guf is dead. So the nefesh is, the nefesh, however, is is considered ki nefesh habasar. I'm saying it. It's the it's the motor. The nefesh is the motor of the body, and it's meant to move the body. It's meant to give physical. Yeah. It's meant, however, just to animate physicality. It's meant to be a koyach that gives, energizes the physical. It's not meant for, it's not meant for experience. Ruach, that's right, yeah, and that also has nefesh. Behemoth also has ruach. Yeah, that's because emotion, an animal gets angry. An animal has love for its caring for its, that's ruach already. Ruach is emotions, feelings, that's ruach. It's a deeper dimension of life. An animal has that as well. Um, neshama, intellect, that's not shayach to an animal. Um, just like there is above. Just like above, there is the mamali power that's within all the worlds. Just give me one second. We're talking about the parsa, and I want to give a little better explanation on this. I think it's very... So I'm going to quote a little piece over here from the Mimer Admar Azokin on page Tafkof Yudalid to give a little better understanding in this filter. The this um, this diaphragm, it separates in the body between the breathing, the pulmonary, the pulmonary organs, 
Levare Amazon to the um, to the um, digestive uh, organs. Shesham Achara Parsa. After the Parsa, Yesh Kerev, there is a stomach, intestines, Ubenemayim, which are intestines, Upsiles. And over there, there is Psoles. Just like we said in the world of Asiya, that's where you have. See, from here and up, inside, you don't really have junk. It's all hopefully positive. It's a problem if there is negative stuff. But below, you still have stuff that is considered, as we say, you're taking food in. If you take the food in, the food is mixed. There's things that are in the food that are probably harmful for the body. But, but, but you can rely on the body. The body is going to take care of it. The body is going to sort out what it likes, what it dislikes. And whatever it dislikes, it's going to throw out. In the world of Yetzira, there is a parsa. We said before, Yetzira is like the body, the midsection. When he says guf, he means the midsection. In the world of Yetzira, that's where the main manifestation, that's where the main manifestation of Eitzadas, Tovera, the tree of knowledge, good and bad. If you look in Ramaz, Ramosh Zakusi, in the beginning of Pashas Vayishlach, he discusses this idea that in Yetzirah is where the main eight sadas is. oh, just like, and that's what makes sense, where do you have this sorting out power? It takes place in the stomach. The filter takes in the stomach. It's in the midsection. This is where you have this parsa. There are malachim whose job is they the filter malachim, angels. It says, and all my karavayim Hashem will, will, will praise Hashem. These are the whole set of malachim who their job is that they are they're, they're, they're in charge of digestion. What do they do? They are mevarer, the hashpa. When God is flow, see the Ain Sof is pouring life force into the cosmos, into the world. And as that energy comes from world to world, so, and what they do is like this, they're receiving from up as it's passed down. Now the highest quality of life, they don't let pass. They keep it, they keep it up in the higher realms, in Ganeiden. In Ganeiden is a place where you experience real life, intense life, pleasure, enjoyment. But there's no problem because there aren't any bad guys there. So you're not afraid that this intense energy is going to be misused because there's only good there. But once you're getting lower than Gan Eden and you're getting into the worlds where there is a mixture of good and bad, so they have to stop. And they, they, they serve as a border and as a filter. They stop it. And then Leus Makar, oh, so what they do is they allow some energy to go through. Or else if nothing would go through them, there wouldn't be a physical universe. But that's, whatever goes through is considered already the dregs. That's considered the lower part. Hamashpiyam lamata. This goes down. Lias mekar, it becomes the source. Lashpas tanugim gashmiyam. It becomes the source for all material pleasures, physical pleasures. That's what we are so obsessed with and so crazy about and so driven to accumulate tons and tons and tons and tons a physical pleasure and delight, whether it's the pleasure that comes from whatever it is in, in the material world, what it really is, is the leftover junk that from all the worlds, that which gets passed on. It's basically the, what the, just like the body takes, after it takes all the good out, 
it's useful for the body. Whatever is junk, the body goes and uh, it goes down the toilet. This world is, it's, it's, it's frightening to think this way, but the material physical world <laughs> is pretty much the toilet and where all the leftover um, whatever makes its way down here. Now, um, the parsa that's mafsik, and it doesn't mean that our world is not beautiful and our world is not full of, it is, but compared to what's going on in the upper realms, this is really what it is. And the reason why they can't give any more is because if we do give more energy down here, the chitzonim will get a hold of it. And all we want them to get is only the junk. This which the malachim called kravayim, they've absorbed everything good. And only the leftovers get pushed out. But from the internal flow, they shouldn't get anything. Like you see physically, after the food gets sorted out in the digestion, the choicest, which is the blood, that was made from the food, goes up higher than the diaphragm, and it goes into the heart, and it goes into the bloodstream. It goes into the brain. It even nurtures the brain. Your brain is also getting from the food. And it becomes energy. It energizes the head, the mind, and the heart. The psolus and the waste. This is what gets uh, ejected and expelled from, from this, the cosmic body. And it becomes... It goes out, and that becomes the food for the extraneous forces, which is ultimately what most of our physical world is made out of. But you wonder, well, this is, this is the waste. It's lifeless wealth. Just like human waste, um, you will have certain creatures that might find uh, it um, interesting. They might still find something uh, tasty. Yeah, pigs, that's what he says. That the peresh becomes the food for a davar achar. A davar achar actually means a pig. So it's understood from this. They don't receive from the internal. That's what the parsa is supposed to do. They're supposed to only release whatever is. But that just shows you if we think we're having a good time in this world, how pathetic that is. As the sages tell us, that the pleasures of this world are literally nothing. It's nothing compared to the... Because it says even, as we learned so many times, that even to go to the lowest, lowest, lowest level of Gan Eden, the lowest, the bottom, 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 the worst seat in the house, <laughs> to be in the back, 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 in the worst seat in the house of Gan Eden, it's like it's worth, it's worth it to go through every type of suffering and pain and, and, and from Gehenna and whatever, because the pleasure is something of completely different sort. Based on this, we can understand it because we don't even know what pleasure is. We're still picking, we're pecking at, I can't say it, but the C-R-A-P of what's left over of everything, that's what we're pecking at. That's what we're eating, that's what we're enjoying, that's what we're looking for. It's, it's junk. It's not of anything of quality. Real quality and real godliness and real life and pleasure and delight is in the spiritual worlds, in Olam Yetzirah 
and way above that in the higher Gan Eden, in Olam Atzilus, which is where the brain is taking place. Not Atzilus, in Olam Abriya. Okay, now we continue back inside. Um, I'm holding now right after the parentheses. Just like it is above, there is the Mamale in all worlds. It is divided into parts. Like, in, like, the, like the vessels, as we said before, and the life force continues to diminish. Oh. So now, just like we see in 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 um, in um, this this whole indwelling godly light that is within the creation works in a manner that its main most expansive power is in the higher world of Bria. Yitzira has much less. But Asiya, way, way below. As we said earlier, you, it goes through a powerful filter. And only the dregs are what pass down. So you see the chayos is diminished, 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 diminished. You have that in the human body as well. You can't compare the energy that's in a person's brain to the energy that's taking place in the midsection. And definitely not to the energy of the legs. The legs might still be strong. You can throw a good kick. But it doesn't come close to the vast. Even... Just physically, it's, we know that most of the person's energy, physical strength, is used by the brain. Um, and only, you know, less as, as it descends. And the highest continues and diminishes. At the, at the head is where the intellect is. And in the body. The highest becomes less. And in the legs, it becomes even more diminished. So too it is above the Now all this also translates into our service of God. And what does that mean? That if within ourself, he's explaining our service of God, if our service to Hashem is only tapping into our um, inter... In the beginning of the discourse, we've discussed that there was two powers of life in the universe. One is a very particularized, individualized energy that fits every limb and every organ. And then there is one powerful sweeping power, which we didn't discuss yet over here, that encompasses the entire body. That's the willpower. I want the power of Ratzon, which doesn't differentiate between limb and organ. It controls everything equally. It's the master of everybody, and everybody listens to it all the time. It's like the main power switch, on or off. It controls all. So the same, right, just like it is in our body, the same is also in terms of our spiritual service to God. It's possible for us to be in touch with our external soul. If we're, if we're serving Hashem with our external soul, it means we're not tapping into our neshama itself, but into our external soul, then our, our, our connection to God also works in this systematic way. Which means we are going to find that there are times in which you're going to be in a much far more intense connection. And then it's going to slow down, it's going to be less, and it's going to be less, and until it's going to dwindle. Because our inspiration is coming only from what we call our nefesh ruach neshama. When we only activate our nefesh ruach neshama, 
That means we are working with what we call the internal powers, the internalized powers of the soul. And those powers operate that it, 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 it has a, it's very limited. And therefore it's more intense in the beginning, less intense in the middle, and finally at the end it's very weak, as we're seeing now. Energy in the head, powerful. So in service of God, it's also the same thing. During the time of prayer in the morning, we're going to call that your head of your day. Because now you're focusing really into spirituality. So during the head, you have a lot of energy during your time of prayer. You feel God very strongly. You feel a very intense and deep connection to Him. So it's the, this is the, and, and you're experiencing through one's meditation, if one does meditate, it's possible that a person prays also with his legs only, not with his head. And that means that you're not utilizing your head. You're only utilizing your physical movement of your jaws and your lips. But that's not really what prayer is supposed to be. Prayer is supposed to be a deep, it's supposed to engage you completely, your entire being, including your mind, your heart, from your intellect. Oh. So during the time of davening, a very rich experience, which is the intelligence, and then it continues from the davening, it continues on a little bit into, from there to your heart, the excitement, first intellect and excitement. But then once you close the siddur and you leave the, you leave the shul and you're going about your day and you're involved in all the other physical things in this world, you still have some of your spiritual engine turned on. It's not like you fit, if you davened well, it's not like it's going to be, your whole day is going to be just totally, you're going to forget God completely. It doesn't work that way. There is going to be some lingering effect of your prayer carrying you through the day to do that, to make sure you're going to live the best, you're going to live as a Jew obeying God's commandments. But it's not going to have energy. It's going to be a very minimal energy. It's going to be very, it's going to be like, basically you just have enough memory of your prayer to keep you in check. That you're going to do what God wants you to do, and you're not going to violate what God uh, doesn't want you to, or you're going to, you're going to keep the and 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 watch not to not to not to transgress any of the prohibitions. So what you really have over here is that the person is. What we really have over here is that the person is, it's 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 just like a mobile. It's just it's just like your legs. It's just about doing the doing the don't. There's no emotion. There's no understanding. Well, what do you expect? You can't be in that high, high, intense spiritual state all day long. But it is possible, as we're going to see soon. If a person activates and serves God not from his nefesh ruach neshama, where your service of Hashem is not coming from your intellect, from the internal powers, but you tap into the powers of makifim, the encompassing powers, if a person can relate to the power of chayen yechida, which are the higher powers of the soul that, en that encompass the entire body, and you connect to that, that's the pure willpower, spiritual willpower of the soul, then it doesn't have to be diminished. Then all day long you have that power, because as we said before, that, that, that uniformly affects the entire body equally. And that's the whole idea of this mimer, uh, the, most of, the, of, of this mimer, is to teach, is to, is to give us, and, and to teach us that the service of Hashem should not only come from the powers of the nefesh, but that we should get involved in it with our entire being, not just with our, with our powers of our soul. Because the power of the souls are just the individual, individual powers that are very limited and keep a person kind of within a certain limited framework in his relationship with God. But 
uh, one's connection with Hashem can be infinite. It can be boundless. For that, you have to go deeper into your soul. And you have to access your koach of your chayachida, which are the encompassing powers of the nefesh. And in order to achieve that, as he's going to explain how we do that. If the person only serves God with his internal, internal powers, with, with only the part of your that in, that is that is indwelling in your soul, which comes in a very measured step by step. You're working within your natural order. Now, here's the thing. Remember we said earlier, the power of Ratzon, see, all the kochas nefesh always work only within their natural framework. We said earlier, the intellect works along with you. It doesn't override you. It works with you. The intellect works with your brain. The emotions work with your heart. All the other powers work with the limbs. But they don't have any ability to override the limbs and change the, the direction of the organs of the limbs that are that power. The only way in which a person has power to override anything in their body is if they access their will. With the power of will, you can go against your nature. So the same is with your service of Hashem. If one service of God does not engage you, your very you, your service of God is purely intellectual. Well, you understand, you appreciate, and then you get excited, even if you're saying something very, very powerful. Even if you're really thinking, most sadly, most Jews today aren't thinking at all. They're just even saying even religious Jews. Take it, Phil. So basically, all on autopilot. But I'm saying, even if you are a thinking person and you do learn things so that you can inspire your mind, and from the inspiration of the mind, create emotion in the heart. But it's all going to keep you within your nature, within your nature, in accordance to who you are. It's like you serve God. Everything within a natural flow. To override nature completely, you need to really dig into your power of ratzon, of pure will of the neshama. And when your connection to God does not come from intellect, it comes from something deeper inside of you. You realize this is this from your very you. This is what I want. And I want it insanely. It's, in, it's a mysterious nefesh. It's insanely. There's no seichel. It's beyond seichel. Not this, there's no seichel. It's higher. Super rational drive. Then you change your nature. And then... That, that type of a service doesn't wear off, doesn't dwindle. It's like, we'll see soon. That's the difference of Bechol Nafshecha. It says, serve God with all your soul. And then it says, Bechol Ma'odecha, with all your might. What's the difference? Bechol Nafshecha means with all your powers of your soul. But it's not with your very you. Bechol Ma'odecha means with more than you have, more than your soul. And when a person is serving God only with his bechol nafshecha, with all his soul, he's considered a stationary being. Because he's not moving inf- infinitely. He's standing in one place. Because you remain, like Malachim, you remain within the, within the bounds of your nature. You stand always in one level. That's cool. That's when you become a mahalich, a, a, a mover between those who stand between the malachim. What do you see from here? 
זהו הנמשך, this is drawn מבחינת אוירויס שבכלים, from the lights and the energy that's in the vessels. וזהו המחוון ממש, הקוסר בעניין האהבה שבהדרגה וסדר. This is what we mean when we're saying that the love is, בהדרגה is measured, וסדר, and it has an order, it's all, ואזיין בן הוא הולך ומסמט. And then, if this is where a person's inspiration comes from, all from only from the internalized powers, not from the or makif, then what? Your Yiddishkeit every day becomes weaker and weaker and weaker through the day. You can recharge it in the morning, but again, it's going to dwindle out through the day. Piddish, what does that mean? Shebe'esat fila at the time of davening, humakusher b'yoyser. The person is very connected. Elav yuzbarach. Very connected to Hashem. Shezboyninus etzloi barachava. Because during that time, one has a very broad contemplation. But after davening, when the contemplation gets shortened, it becomes weaker and weaker. Because you're going away from your davening. God is not in your focus. So you start seeing the world. So the world starts becoming more and more important. And Hashem starts becoming a fading echo. A fading echo. Less and less and less and less. But even this, he says, and here he says something very, very powerful. Or even all of this, even this experience, where during davening it's very intense, and then afterwards it starts getting weaker, and then it dwindles out, even that requires that the person should not be stuck under the diaphragm, under the, under the mechitza. There are certain times when a person gets stuck under the mechitza and he can't even rise during davening. As you can see in a minute, this is only when the sins are not standing in between. When the averot are not standing in between. If, God forbid, someone has sins that block because of sins are blocking, then the person is not even allowed inside to have a real meaningful connection to Hashem even during the time of davening. That's why we know Hasidim and, and Tanya and many places that you should do tshuva always before davening. That's why the whole idea of having tikkun chatzot and when they wake up at midnight and they, it wasn't just to cry for the base of Migdash, it was to cry for one's own impurity because inevitably we're living in a, in a world full of, full of, full of um, full of uh, danger, full of, full of uh, traps. And it's very easy for a person to make a mistake and that creates a barrier. And if there is a barrier, what happens like this? Let's go back. We said before, when you're davening, you're like the head. After davening, it's like the heart. A little bit after davening, you're learning, you're still involved in holy things. Finally, at the rest of the day, you're like the legs. And the legs is less chayos. But tomorrow, you want to come back up from the legs and you want to enter into a higher spiritual consciousness you want to enter into the highest spiritual consciousness of the brain of Olam Abriya. But the problem is, you have to make sure that the mechitza, the border is open. Now we said before, a border is meant to act as a filter, but a border is supposed to allow people through. You're not supposed to be totally closed. So if a person didn't do any averot, if he didn't do any sins until yesterday, so his day was clean from sin, so then the next morning when he wants to pass the border, he wants to go out of physical existence into more spiritual existence and higher, it's, he's going to make it through. He's going to be able to do so. He or she is going to be able to make it through. And then and to higher and to higher, that's if there's no sins. 
But if there's darkness and sins, so what does that cause? That causes that the partition that's there between Olam HaYetzirah and Olam HaAsiyah, and as we said earlier, between the legs and the, and the torso, and then of course between, up to the head, is completely blocked. And then it's not allowing anything to go up. Because, for example, and I'll give a simple example, if a person eats really bad food, spoiled food, so the digestion might decide that the body is very smart. All the bodies say, nothing is going to go, either throw it up, go right out. It'll send it out through one of the exits, up or down, but one of them it's, it's going from. The body says, no, I'm not going to let this go through. So the same is true if a person is, fills himself with, with dangerous bacteria, but that's what a sin is. A sin is you allow the chitzonim, you allow negative things to, 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 to latch themselves onto your soul. And then when you want to come up into the higher realm, what happens is the reason, so why does the God kid? You want to daven. The problem is because if you're coming there, these things that you didn't do tshuva on, they're coming along with you. And they're going to receive chayot, they're going to receive this higher energy, this higher power, and they're going to be empowered with a very, very terrible power. With a very strong power, which they're going to use for something really bad. So therefore, you have to get rid of it. You can't take them along with you. And that's what's going to happen, he says. The he says, if there's, still, if there's sins, even during the time of prayer. And that's why, in other words, even, meaning, if a person serves the Ebishter all with his in, intellect, so it could work, it could work, but it's going to be a very limited service. But even that, providing, he says, that there's no sins. If there is sins, that's not even going to allow this, this limited experience, is also not going to be allowed. Kanal, as he says earlier, there is a parsa that's mafsik. That pushes away the psolet. And if the person is coming in with psolet, he won't be allowed in. And he says it's an interesting thing. It doesn't only mean oven gashmi. Now he's taking it to a little bit of a, making it even, making it a little harsher. It doesn't only mean a real sin. As he explains, when the heart is crooked, what does that mean? It means it's like this. One's engagement, and again, it doesn't say it in this mimer, but it says it over here. It says, one's engagement with the physical material world during, the, during when you're in your feet, in your feet, feet mode. What's your feet mode? Feet mode is when you're traversing the world during the day. Eating, drinking, sleeping, exercising, doing business. Everything a person is doing throughout their day. And you're in your feet mode. But um, tomorrow's davening, tomorrow's davening has to be created from what you collect. Because here's another thing, another, another thing, another, another interesting idea, is that um, even physically, a person, to, for a person to be able to, we say the higher experiences is in the intellect and in the heart, intelligence, emotions, fine. But they, they need to be recharged. And without recharging the head and the mind, and then the mind and the head becomes exhausted, you can't think, your heart can't, right? And they, they need food. Where do you get your food? You need feet to get your food. In other words, you need, the person needs to do business, needs to involve, prepare the food. So really, the mind and the heart are dependent on the legs. Just, just for their basic, even though they're the higher powers of the person, but they need the legs. So too, and it's an amazing thing, you're davening, and your Torah and everything that you have needs energy. And it gets that energy 
dafka from the material gashmias they get things, physical things that we are involved. Why? Because we learned so many times in Chasidut that the highest sparks of holiness are buried in the lowest things in this world. It's all there in the food and in the material and in the, in the, in the, in the phys- physicality of the material world is the highest sparks. So, when a Jew is involved, so really an amazing thing, your avoda today during the whole day, your avoda is influenced by the way you davened in the morning and the way you created a holy consciousness and that gives you an awareness that you shouldn't slip and fall during the day. But on the other hand, tomorrow's davening is going to receive its energy from the, from the physical things that you've done today and you're taking these sparks and you're elevating them into Kedusha, that's going to enrich your mind and it's going to enrich your heart. But these sparks have to be elevatable. In order for them to be elevatable, they have to be clean. How do they clean? When a person does business or eats or does anything and they have the right kavana, they're doing it in order to serve God, then they're pushing away the ra, they're, they're doing already a birer. They're rejecting the, the chitzonim, the negative of it. They're taking the kernel, the essence, the, the, the spark of Kedusha. Then tomorrow when they come to Davin, these sparks are elevated and then increase their energy in their mind and in their heart during davening. That means that what's coming from below the parsa, below the diaphragm, is coming up above the parsa to add chayus to the heart and to the brain. But if chas v'shalem, their engagement in the material physical world was purely unrestricted and, and in simple words, let's use a good word, mindless. There is no mindfulness. It's just pure mindless. And it's just, just because of, of the physical material pleasure, but there's no divine intention. There's no purposefulness in anything that you're doing. Then the stuff that, that then it's not... As we said before, it's like food with bacteria. It's not going to be taken in. The body is going to reject it. The parsa is not going to let it in. And that's what he's saying over here. And this is what it says. That the Torah is a healing. Sharecha means simply Sharecha means to your which means, yeah, but also means lebisarcha to your flesh. But why does it say lisharech? Tzarech lahava. We need to understand. davka. What does it emphasize lisharech? That you need healing lisharech. Tzarech loimar. We have to say. So the Tzemach Tzedek adds an interesting idea, which it says he doesn't bring it over here, but in the back of the sefer he says that this concept is brought from the sefer Ma'orenayim, which is from the Chernobyl Rebbe, Reb Nachum of Chernobyl. The Tzemach Tzedek says this insight that what he's going to say now, that in order for a person to be able to plug in during davening with his intellect and his mind, and he shouldn't get blocked by the border, by the mechitza, there is something very important. So we're talking general, that what? That one shouldn't have sinned. We spoke earlier. One should care, be careful not to sin. But more in particularly, more in particularly, or, or in Bechlau, a over-materialistic engagement. We spoke earlier. But in this pasuk it says refa is a healing needs to be lisharecha. So what does that mean? We have to say Sages say that the hormiz, which was an apikoris, which was an apostate, said to I think I don't know which which sage it was. He says from the bottom and up you're an angel, from half and up you're an angel, and from be- from the half of you and below you're a demon. 
which means that this person, this, this um, um, apostate or this heretic believed that a human being must be, must be split all his life. That we cannot harmonize the two sides within us. That a human being will be a half malach and a half animal. You have a spiritual side. And we see that all the time. You have great, you have lots of people that have very pure spiritual sides. But on the other time, on the other hand, uh, we find that they are extreme animalistic also. Both at the same time. Why? Because the person doesn't allow his two sides to communicate. You have a soul that gravitates up. You have an animal that goes down. Torah and Yiddishkeit says that you need to unify these two parts. The whole point of life is that the spirituality of your neshama should penetrate your body. And guess what? It should affect your lower half. From your hips and downward. Which means into the very physical part of the human being as well. Particularly, which is very, very, very important, is the, 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 the area where one's um, Yetzirah is like kind of can be completely out of check is one's sexuality. And this is what it's saying over here. Tia is that even to bring, as we'll see in a minute, so that's called lower than the parsa. Even there, there shouldn't be any pagam. There shouldn't be a pagam in the sexual element of the human being. Now it's interesting. Um, you find this very rarely. Interesting. In Hasidus Chabad, you have other Hasidut, in Breslev, in other Hasidus Farim, they're very, very, very much the subject discusses a lot of the holiness of a person, especially in those matters of intimacy and the like. A Chabad Hasidus generally avoids the subject because it doesn't want our minds to be involved in, it, it, it takes you to the higher road. You know, just think about God, think about higher things. But sometimes in the Memorim, this is one of the rare cases where you'll find this. But in any case, the Tzemach Tzedek is saying that what? That particular, if we're talking about a block, something that's going to block a person from being able to experience davening to, everybody can daven, but you want to make a connection and feel the divine, feel God in your mind, literally, and in your heart, if God forbid there's lingering sins that are related to a person's sexual uh, misconduct, that creates a block which is not allowing the person into the experience of Kedushan, of holiness. But what do you do? So of course you need to do tshuva. But really there is another healing method. It says in the Pasuk, that Torah study will heal, it's talking about Torah, it's a healing lisharecha. That's what it means. It means that through Torah study, you're able to repair. It's a repairing from above. It's, it's in a man, like a segula kind of a repair. Of course one should do tshuva, and a person can't say, you know what, I can do whatever I want, and I can study Torah. But Torah does have an ability to, to, to break that barrier. It breaks through the barrier and it heals. It heals the lower side of the human being. And that why? Because by Torah it says, Vayihi kol me'al l'rakia. See, the problem is like this. You have the rakia. What's the rakia? The firmament. That's the parsa. That's what's blocking. That's the filter. And we said earlier, the border is supposed to be open to allow certain things in. But if chas v'shalem, there is sin, the border gets shut and no one is crossing. So the only way to get through it is something from the bottom up, you can't do it. 
just tshuva. What you need to have is, you're learning Torah, refa'is tia l'sharecha, that brings a refuah from above the rakia, from above the firmament, to create that opening to allow a person to be able to, to connect to Hashem, even if there has been a blemish. Um, because this is a sound that's coming from above the firmament, from above this partition, that even if there is a blockage coming from the partition, one can burrow through a hole or a, can break through with Torah study. And that's why another thing that people always did, Hasidim would try to do all the time, is dafka to learn Torah before davening. So there's tshuva, there's Torah and the like. But al Kapanim, this is all, all busy with what? With this parsa, with this partition. But in general, even if you don't have the partition, and you're accessing godliness in your mind, and in your heart, and then finally it's carrying you throughout the day, and there's no sin, it's sustaining you. The Jew is doing a good job. This is wonderful. We're worried that we have a parsa. That's a problem. But I'm saying forget about the parsa. Even when the system is working really, really good and everything is gewalding, the Al-Tarebbe says that's not what you were created for. Because that's for that you could have been a malach. Malacha omdim. It's all still limited. You need to get to your infinite power of your soul. decha with all your might, with all your... So it shouldn't fizzle out throughout the day because that requires, however, for you to tap into the encompassing powers of your soul. Not the... Which means your Yiddishkeit should not be rational, logically based, intellect based. It should be soul based, on the pure will, the very, the very you. And we'll see in a minute. All this is only the mamale, the indwelling light. And it fills all worlds. To enliven them. It gets divided into parts. Canal. So too is in a person's soul. This is the highest. That's divided according to the different chemistry of the body. This highest is enclosed in the body. We'll take a little break. And what we're going to do today is we're going to learn Sif Bays. And um, maybe a little of Sif Dalit. Sif Gimel, I'm going to skip. And I'm going, because Sif Gimel, I think, is much better understood after the conclusion of the Mimer. And next week, we're going to do Sif Hay and Sif Gimel. Perik Hay and Perik Gimel uh, to conclude. But now we'll take a, just a few minute break. And then we're going to continue. So we're holding on Perik Bay's second chapter here. Oi. But now there's a second type of energy that goes into the body, that enlivens the body. 
That's the, the will, Shalan Nefesh. Shainim is Chalik Lechalakim. It's not divided into parts. It fills the entire body. However, even though it enlarges the entire body, it's a makif power, it's not divided. Because will, it goes equally around the entire body. It dominates over all the limbs of the body. And it's so far, it has such domineering power over the body that if you want to put your leg into fire, as he take of tasakach, instantly it will the body will 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 comply. According to what a person has decided, even if it goes against one's own nature, because according to the nature of the way the body is programmed, in terms of the natural inclination of the body is that everything wants to preserve itself. And the body too, the body will try to, on its own, keep away from harm. We have natural, we have natural um, reflexes. It's when anything is coming to harm us, we, if, if, if someone is talking to someone, it goes something like this, we're gonna throw, right? we're gonna put our hands in front of our head to protect our head or our face. So when we fall, suddenly, we also stick our hand out. Oh, we shouldn't fall on our, our head or something like that. Because the body is constantly preserving and protecting itself. And yet, when the will of the person wants to do something for whatever reason that is going to inflict pain and sometimes even excruciating pain or damage on the body, a person could do it if they have a will to do so. Um, and, um, and that's not coming from any of these internalized powers. It's like the internal power that's in the foot or that's in the leg, the power of walking or the power of vision or these things don't have that, don't do that. It's this will that just decides and then you have to listen. Why? It's difficult for the body. When he wants to put it in fire, it will do so instantly. It's because the Ratzin is the governor. Over all the limbs of the body. And it dwells amongst them in a makif manner. What does it mean, makif? The organs and the limbs can't behold the will. They don't understand it. They don't. It doesn't. They don't. They 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 comply. They they all they're all subservient to the will, but no one has a grasp in the will. And the will doesn't have to kind of negotiate with the limbs. It controls everybody. It doesn't have to um, diminish itself in accordance to the limbs. We spoke earlier about the legs becoming intelligent by dancing or, or, or certain artistic other things that the hands learn how to do. So that, you find the influence of the mind over the, but that takes time. It's the program and program and program until your feet learn how to make moves and until your fingers know how to do the fine nuances of fine art. Because, as we said earlier, that's, that, those powers are in the head, and they make their way to influence other limbs as well, but it's a slow and very tedious and very, a very, a very, um, a very, uh, um, uh, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a progress, it's a progress, it's a slow progress. But the will doesn't do that. The will instantly dominates the body. And on the day a person is born, the will has control over the body. 
whatever the will wants. That's what elakach, and that's what's called an or makif. Makif it doesn't mean it's not sensed in the body. The body senses the will, but it's meaning it's not internalized. That's what's able to affect the body. Something that's opposite of its nature. To put one's leg into fire. Or in cold water. You have a faced in the mikvah. For me, it's many times. You're faced with this situation where you have to go to a mikvah and the mikvah is freezing. But you decide you're going to the mikvah. <laughs> so the body on its own would never put its feet in, you know, especially dumb. You say, one, two, three, I'm going. Boonga. <laughs> it's horrible, but you do it anyways because you want to do it. And the will overrides the thing and you just do it. It's against the nature. So it does. Take instantly when you want to do so. And if it takes a while, it's because the will is not strong enough. It's not because if you have a really strong will, it doesn't take any time. Sometimes I know when you try to go into really cold water, it, like, like your body's not moving. You want to go, but you're just not, the body's just not going. That's because the will is not strong enough. But if the will should be really want to, then you go instantly. Yeah, exactly. And that's because the will is not divided according to the to, to the to the to the of the body. Because it's it's because it's not your powers, it's you. In an internal according to according to their chemistry. It encompasses all them in a makav take away. Without any division at all. See, that's the very reason. Because it doesn't limit itself and adapt itself and adjust itself. So that's why it remains all powerful. The, the, the other power of the soul addresses the limb. Contracts to the limb. So it's not all powerful. It's, it's, it only has its limited power. But the, the nefesh itself did not diminish itself. So it's like, it has all the power in the world focused on that limb or that organ and has to listen to it. And it can do something completely against its nature. And even act in a way contrary to reason. Contrary to rational and to reason. And this is what we mean, serve God with all your modcha. Get your will involved. And even if it doesn't make any sense, even if... In the Maimer Vayakal Moshe, we learned it a few years ago, he explains that there's two drives within a human being. One drive is an intellectual drive, driven by reason. The Isratzayin, the Isratzayin. The Zohar says there's two levels of Ratzon. There's a Ratzon created by the mind, and there's a Ratzon that controls the mind. It's much higher than that. There he explains that that's the difference between serving God during the weekday and serving God on Shabbos. During the weekday, you're operating from your filter of your mind. Shabbos is when the power of the nefesh itself, the ratzon elyon, the higher will of the soul, reveals itself. And look at the other mimer where it says, in the first mimer in Bamidbar, I remember teaching that a few years ago, it says, raise the head of the Jewish people, the Gilgaloisan, to their skull. Very strange thing. It says, raise the head of the Jewish people to their skull. What does that mean? The head is the skull. No, the head is the brain. The skull is above the brain. This is the makif. And when Hashem is saying to, to Moshe Rabbeinu, lift the Jewish people's avoida up, it shouldn't be from their seichel. 
It should be from their mysterious nefesh. They should be from legilgaloisam to their skulls. Connect them. The Alter Rebbe says that if a person is not serving God with this madness, with this, with this insanity, with this, with this drive that's higher than reason, it's like a person whose head has been chopped off. He's lacking his entire head. It's like without chayos. Without the, because the chayos that comes inside the body through the seichel is a tiny little bit. It's not the real chayos hanefesh. The real chayas nefesh is only when it has this. gives you a bunch of But there he explains, In order for a person to experience this ratzon, Since mitzvahs are Hashem's ratzon, pure ratzon, also higher than reason, that's why when we do the mitzvahs, we're internalizing that ratzon into our body, and that enables us to also midah keneged midah, kind of reflect back with a ratzon that's... In other words, it triggers our ratzon when we do his ratzon. If you will connect to my chukim, you will become a mover. Because we said earlier that when you're, as long as you're serving God, only with your nefesh, with your internal powers, you're not called a mahalech. You're called a... But in Bechukai if you're going to do my chukim, particularly chukim, which are higher than seichel, teilechu, that's going to enable you to activate your power of hiluch in your nefesh. In order to come to this higher desire, this is also through the Levites. We'll explain that later over here. That's part of what the Levium is. When the Levium put up the Mishkan, we're going to see that this service, one that's beyond reason, that's related to the Yerios HaMishkan. The Yerios are the Makif. These are the carpets. These are surround the whole Mishkan. The Kalim are the internal powers. And these are the power that's above. The same is also above. That the supernal will who This is called the encompassing power of God that envelops all worlds. What does sovev mean? It's everywhere equally. The sovev kalalman means it's the infinite light of God that's not divided into pieces. It doesn't relate to one world more than the other. It equally affects the most physical part of the world, a mineral, to the highest malach. They're both equal to it. It equally encompasses everything. Without any division at all. It's called round, surrounding, because just like a circle. In a circle, you don't have an upper or a lower. Everything is equal. Like a physical circle, sphere. Because a circle, you can turn it over and then a tire. And what was on the bottom is the top, and what is on the top is on the bottom. It's the supernal will who encompasses all worlds. encompasses all worlds equally. It doesn't have any up or down at all. Like it says, that by God, the most brightest world and the most darkest world are absolutely equal. The brightest world isn't relating more to him than the darkest point. And, bo- and he controls them all. 
Just like the will controls the brain. To, 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 in other words, you have a will deciding, I want to learn this mission, I don't want to learn the mission. If I'm tired and I don't want to learn, the, the will can say, no, you're going to learn until you figure it out. You have to learn this mission. So it controls the mind, it controls the feet too. And it does, there's no difference in its memshala and its governorship over the legs than over the brain. Everybody is bows down to the will. Because the will, that's you, that's your nefesh itself. As opposed to everything else which is relating to the, to relating to the powers of you, but not you. Everybody's equal. It's all not before him. Now he resolves the contradiction that we learned at the beginning. In one verse it says, heaven and earth, I fill. Hashem himself. In another verse it says, and if here it says Shemayim Va'aretz, heaven and earth, because he's everywhere equal. Without any, any, any separation. Up and down. And that's called Keser. Which is Hashem's supernal will. It's that Hashem wants the creation. That's equal everywhere. He desires it. He encompasses all worlds. It has no up and down at all. It encompasses all worlds equally. What is when it says only his kavod, only his honor? Well, that's That's the indwelling light. That's only a ray of God. And that doesn't say heaven and earth equal. It's divided in each place differently. This sovev kalam, an encompassing light, we call kadosh. Kadosh means removed. The opposite, mamale kalam, and it's called shechina, It dwells inside, it mixes. This is called aluf. We say three times kadosh because it's Kadosh from all three worlds. Asiya, Yitzira, and Bria. Kadosh, Aluf. Pedishu, Pchenasa, Ur, Makif, Shalgimul, Oilamois. Of the three worlds, Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. Kamashakasa, Mazebe, Bira, Pasik, Vata, Yigda, Nahanao. Vahim, Mashakasa, Mazebe, the Namaskal, Haram, Esmatcha. Shadera, Klau, Bez, Pchenas, Hanal. In general, these two levels, Nikrup, Pchenasaider, Ishtalshalus, are called the order of evolving worlds. That's the indwelling light where the intellect creates the emotions, the emotions create other things, it, it descends step by step. And then there is what's above the entire evolving order of energy. Because the chain-like progression of Bria, Tzir, and Asiya, three worlds, this is the evolvement of Machshava, Dibur, and Maisa, thought, speech, and action. Like you see, when you have a thought, and then from thoughts come speech, and from speech come action. It's a descent, step by step. You contemplate, comes speech. You speak words of Torah. And then eventually, the deed, the action. But the levels that are beyond the this is the will, the will of the heart. If one can activate the desire of a heart, that elevates one's Yiddishkeit to a whole different level. 
and then a person becomes an infinite mover because then you join and you and you and and you connect to the Ein Sof. As long as one is still serving, operating within only the the Seder Ishtalshalist, then you're still remaining within the worldly um, realm. I am Ashakasa Bazar Pasak Mimana, Vidovi Yisrael, Kitzer, Yisraelish, Khainla Maila Ratsan Sevikalam. Now how this relates to the Levites, we're gonna leave this for next week. And the whole idea of where these two services lead us. But I want everybody to hold hold this thought. We develop this idea. Two forms of energy within the creation, two forms of life force within the human being as well. And in our service of God, we can act, we can be we can be driven with the nefesh ruach neshama part, and then we are fixed and stationed, or we can serve God with the soiviv kalalman in us, the encompassing energy described. And we're going to see that these are the three families of the Levites. Merari, by them it doesn't say nasayas roish, it doesn't say lift their head. The Merari are the ones who station carry the beams. What does it say by the beams? Atse shitim omdim. The, 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 the um, family of Merari, their service, the Levites, their service is still within the limitations of the finite uh, filtered element of the soul. B'nai Gershon and B'nai, and B'nai Kahas relate to the Makifim, the two powers of Makif of the soul. As we're going to see, um, that's why they're called Gershon. Gershon is, means to drive out the Klippa. And he says the way to the way to really get rid of klipa is when you activate this power of, of 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 the willpower, and then you go you do opposite whatever you want you know whatever the nature of the body is you go, you become like a, and that drives the klipa completely out of the person. It's called gershon. It's megarish dara, the evil gershon, gershon, which means to drive out. As we will see by Ezra Hashem next week. Okay.